Hello, and welcome to the Code Youngstown podcast. My name is Neil Primer, and with me today are Chris Harwell. Hi. And Joe Dunko. Yo. Uh, this month, we're going to talk about conferences. Uh, Code Mesh just ended up in Sandusky, and Joe is uh, one of the people of Code Youngstown who has attended so we're going to talk to them a little bit about what Code Mesh is like, and we're also going to go a little further into the subject of conferences as a whole, what you can get out of them, and what you can put into them. So I guess to start, Joe, how was Code Mesh? Code Mesh was good. <laughs> okay, let's get into specifics then. It it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so um, we went up uh, my my group uh, at. For reference, everyone listening, uh, we, before the co- podcast, uh, Neil said, uh, or I told Neil, if he asked me how how Code Mesh went, I was going to respond it was good, and that would be the end of the podcast. Uh, it is not the end of the podcast, but um, Code Mesh was uh, was good. Um, we and and by we, uh, Elizabeth, uh, my partner, um, Chris Palmer, Andrew Jarvis, and a couple a handful of other people from code mesh met there um ryan and brandon uh at avi uh they, they ended up going up as well we all got three or two day tickets so code mesh is a four or yeah i think it's a four day conference it might be five i think it actually does start on tuesday i'll have to check but it it's a four day conference uh tuesday through friday it's normally the first weekend of the year or first week of the year and they do that because it's apparently the cheapest week that you can get Kalahari. Um, uh, one of the tenets of CodeMash is to be as cheap as possible um, so that people can pay their own tickets potentially. They're, they are not amazingly cheap. I think they're around $400 this year. So they're not amazingly cheap. But if you're comparing that to other conferences where you're talking thousand of do- like thousands of dollars uh, to go, it's pretty economical. It's the first, it's four days. Uh, the first two days are what they called compilers, which are two hour-ish. Um, I think they're two hours each. They're, they're like long talks. They're, they're more like follow along. Uh, I wouldn't really call them tutorials. There's probably a better word for them, but they are uh, with the intention that you go there and you learn something and you build something during them. Um, most people own workshops. Neil just messaged me the word workshops. Thank you, Neil. So the first two days are workshops. Uh, the second two days are more uh, traditional talks. I think the talks on Thursday were 45 minutes each, and the talks on Friday were an hour each. And I'm not sure if that was on purpose or my sense of time got disoriented through the weekend, but that's how things ended up shaking out, it seemed. Um, and it was a whole lot of fun. You, you end up going to Code Mash If you get the two-day tickets, uh, you end up going to Code Mash Wednesday night. You normally attend uh, the lightning talks, uh, which are actually what Code Youngstown's lightning talks are modeled off of. I think it's 10 six-minute talks uh, during dinner, um, or after dinner, rather. If you don't have a Wednesday ticket, you don't get dinner. Um, Actually, they might not have provided it this year. I'm sorry, I keep going back because I didn't attend those two. Um, But the so you go there Wednesday night, you stay the night, and you wake up bright and early. Uh, breakfast is between 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. on Thursday uh, to eat breakfast, and then at 8 a.m. sharp are the first talks. And then every 45 minutes, uh, I think with a 15-minute break in between, 
there are uh, a variety of talks. And, and over that time, there's about 150 talks. I think throughout the whole week, there's a little bit more than 150, most of which are on Thursday and Friday. Um, so it's a, it's very chaotic. There's a lot of fun. There's talks for everybody, but it can be, it's, it's exhausting. Uh, there, there are so many people there, um, all, all from different backgrounds and, and experience levels. So it's, it's kind of one of those things where you get out of code mash, what you put into code mash. Now, um, you talked about like sort of what the format was for the conference, um, what about the subject matter? Was there more of a focus on like front end, back end, full stack, mobile? Um, you know, what, what were some of the things that you saw happening at CodeMash? Uh, all of the above. Uh, CodeMash tries to be a have a variety of tracks um, with an even amount for all of them. So I think there was a DevOps, a mobile, a front end, a back end. Um, there was even a leadership track, so there was a bunch of talks that uh, are are for people who are in uh, management positions or about to be in management positions. So I, I went to a handful of those, and they were they were pretty good. All kinds of things, um, but uh, that is one of the nice things about CodeMash is that you can go there as a front end developer like me and attend talks uh, about back end or or whatever other topics that you're interested in without going to a different conference. Uh, traditional con uh, conferences are more of a one-topic type situation, and that kind of pigeons pigeonholes yourself, um, and CodeMash is not like that. Yeah. Any particular talks or particular speakers that you were impressed with or that you um, feel like you learned a lot from? I think the one I learned the most from, I, I don't remember the speaker's name, but they compared uh, Vue to React to uh, Svelte, which is a new front-end framework. Um, and it was, it was really enlightening for me because I've never actually uh, written Vue, and Svelte's pretty new, and, and as a front-end developer, the, the ooh shiny is very strong. There's always new things coming out in the front-end. And sometimes you you need to move to them because that's the way things are going. And other times you have to figure out like is is everyone just going to this because it's shiny? Um, and I never ended up learning Vue because I I kind of leaned into React and I, I'm not a huge fan. But I I didn't I've never built anything in Vue. And what was really nice about the talk is that they had code examples uh, where they kind of started from scratch building something. Uh, but in each Vue, then uh, React, then and I was able to compare them visually and, and kind of um, move my mental model between them. And, and it was a it was a really good talk. Um, my conclusion from it was that I'm pretty happy I skipped Vue. Um, it looks more like it, the way it does logic in, in the templating and in the attributes is just not something I'm a huge fan of. It's, it's one of the reasons that I'm not a huge fan of Angular. Um, and that's just a personal preference. I, I like React because you know whatever you put in those curly braces is just JavaScript. Um, it's it's how the logic is. And while it's a little ugly, you don't have to learn a new syntax. And I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of that. Yeah, a lot of transferal, um, transferable no, uh, knowledge there. And I I found that Svelte, uh, which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly, um is very similar to React. It uses JSX and uh, a bunch of other things like that. But something I didn't like about it is that it also um, it requires you transpiling your code. Um, now, React, uh, most people transpile it uh, for compatibility reasons, but in the only thing that needs to be transpiled is the 
uh, JSX, and and JSX turns into uh, is one to one transformed into functions that do the same thing. Svelte, on the other hand, all of the variables, or at least most of them, and, and most of the functions you create in in the script files, my understanding is they are also transpiled and. I think that when I visualize what I want my next framework to be, what what I want to move to as a front-end engineer, I want less transpilation. I, I want something that, you know, takes my JavaScript and, you know, outputs something very similar. Um, you know, hopefully no transpilation in the, you know, the next three to five years. Um, you know, a lot of people are working on that, um, being able to, uh, for example, the, the Microsoft uh, proposal to ignore uh TypeScript types, uh, TypeScript style types um, in the browser so that you can just run your TypeScript in the browser and it'll just run as if it's normal code. But I digress. I, I learned a lot. I felt like I was able to form opinions um, and just being in general around other people um, who are into code. It, it's a, it, you know, the buzz is in the air, right? Like it's a, it's a very energizing experience. Yeah, I guess before we move on to just the generic topic of conferences, anything specific to CodeMesh else that you want to bring up? Anything specific to CodeMesh? I I really like CodeMesh because it's a nonprofit um, conference. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. Uh, it's put on by a board. Uh, my understanding is they don't make money. I might, I looked like they lost like $50,000 this year, which I think the board loaned it. They 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 talk about all the finances during the the keynotes which is really cool it's very transparent about how um, the conference is put on and how it's organized and all, and all of those things and I, I've learned a lot uh, about conferences from just attending those keynotes and looking at those documents they put out um, and I, I really appreciate that and there's a lot of people who participate I, I actually volunteered for code mesh um, for the first couple years that I went I, I think it was like 20, no, I, I can't even put years, but the first couple of times I went to CodeMash was because somebody suggested to volunteer and you actually get free room, board, and food if you volunteer. You just have to work, I think, like two-thirds of your time there, which is quite a bit, but most of the time you're proctoring talks, which is just kind of being in the talk and making sure they start and end on time. And you know, if there's a technical difficulty that you call somebody to deal with it, um, otherwise it's, it's pretty low key and, in uh, a completely free way to get like a thousand dollars worth of room board and, and food and conference attendance and exposure to the people who are making this conference happen, um, who they're very smart, energetic. And I, I very much appreciate the people who, who put on the conference, uh, put on code mash. Um, so if you're listening and you're like, oh man, I want to go to a conference, but it costs so much, and I don't think I'd be able to go there. Um, Kalahari is two hours from Youngstown. Uh, if you can make the drive, uh, they take like 50 volunteers. There's a lot of volunteers that make this happen. Chances are, if you apply as a volunteer, I think like six months before the conference, three months before the conference, I forget which, um, they will probably accept you, and you will probably uh, get you know room, board, and the opportunity to go. Thank you, Joe. Uh, one of the things we didn't really get into when talking about CodeMash specifically, but one of my favorite parts of attending conferences is what's commonly called the hallway track. Uh, that is where you are networking, you're getting inspiration, making social contacts and professional contacts. 
um, getting inspiration for like future projects or even like just getting questions answered from other people at the conference outside of the structure of like the individual talks and the pre-scheduled technical deep dives. Um, you know, Joe, do you have anything uh, regarding like the hallway track that you know you make sure to do at conferences or make sure not to do at conferences? I think that code mash is the first conference I went to I, this con this specific code mash where I did not try to do the whole hallway track thing. Um, historically I've been very much into, you know, messaging some people uh, they code mash, uh, supplies the, an app that you can like message people and, um, see who else is at the conference and participating in the app. Um, you can also see the list of speakers and, and all of that. Um, this is the first year where I didn't really take advantage of that. I, I think partly cause I'm, I, a handful of years ago, I did a startup and I'm still like, uh, there was a startup and then there was a pandemic and at this code mesh, I was just excited to be back at a com uh, conference after two years. And I, I just wanted to, uh, you know, relax, um, Normally, I get so excited while I'm at a conference, I'll be like, I want to work on a project. And I will not only go to all these talks, I'll also be like, I'm going to make a project too, which never goes well, like normally ends up not even halfway done, just like GitHub repo created. Uh, people talk about it, and then it just gets thrown away. Um, but normally, I get caught up in the uh, the excitement at, at conferences. And this year, I, I decided to try to take it easy. Um, but historically I have, uh, tried to, you know, talk to speakers that are, have experience that I'm, I'm interested in talking to them about, uh, see if anyone on my LinkedIn is going to code mash. Um, I did post in code code Youngstown just to see if anyone went and, and that's actually how I found out that, uh, Brandon and Ryan were there, uh, which was awesome that I finally got to, to spend some time with them outside of like a, the massive code Youngstown events, you know, with 30, 40 people, you don't really have the opportunity, um, to, to talk to people one-on-one -on -one. ironically an event with a thousand people I did, but, um, that's, that's not the point. Uh, the point is that while those opportunities are definitely there and you, you definitely get what you, you put in, um, you definitely also have the opportunity to, uh, not. And I, I took that opportunity this time, maybe not next time. Okay. Uh, Chris, what, uh, what experience do you have with conferences? I know we talked about, uh, talked about Joe's experience a bit so far. So I'd like to hear kind of where you are with conferences, uh, what you've attended, whether online or in person. Actually only attended two, now three conferences. They were both online. Um, it was NextConf or NextJS um, conference. That was a few years ago. Um, NodeConf, and I think there was another one. No, I guess it was just two. Um, yeah, I've never been to in-person conference. I've always wanted to go to one. I didn't even know Code Mash was a thing <laughs> until I heard Joe say something about it in Slack. But yeah, my. I feel like um, my experience and the few that I've been to is there's just the hardest part was always trying to decide which talks to listen to because um, 
the few the two conferences that I went to, there was like six different rooms, tons of speakers, and it's like all of it sounded like our all of it sounded cool, and I'm like, <laughs> where do I want to go? Um, so aside from that, it's I haven't really had any experience with conferences. Yeah, I think the scheduling problem kind of gets to everyone when it comes to a conference. Um, you know, I spent several years going to either the AWS reInvent conference or um, Jenkins World in San Francisco. And those are both conferences where there's like, you know, multiple tracks and there's so much to like have to pick between because you always are interested in more than one track. Um, it wasn't until I think about the last time going to reInvent, I realized that like, yeah, there's all these tracks and yeah, there's all these scheduling, but every single one of those talks are going to end up online. Um, you know, so if you miss something, it's not the end of the world. And if you go to a, a talk and you find it's not meeting your needs, it's okay to leave. Um, like that's one thing I like it, it took me a while to be okay with is like being okay with leaving a talk that didn't work for me because that gives you more opportunity to find something else that might be a, a better use for your time. You know, that being said, uh don't be, you know, loud or uh otherwise, you know, a distraction while you're leaving, but you know, it's it's okay to protect your time when you're at the conference. Um I guess, Joe, aside from, aside from CodeMash, what other conferences have you attended? Um, I've been to Pi Ohio a handful of times. Um, I went to PyCon when it was in Cleveland, uh, one of the years it was in Cleveland. Um, I'm not sure if it was in Cleveland twice or if the second one was canceled because uh, we were talking before the show about, about PyCon because I, I it was it travels around and it's, it's two years in each place is my understanding. And it was supposed to be in Cleveland for two years. It was there for at least one. And it was supposed to be in Pittsburgh after, which was very exciting for it to be around us, you know, twice in a row. And I don't think either of those camp, uh, those actually happened because of COVID. Um, so that's kind of a shame. Um, I think that there's actually RubyConf is going to be in, Cleveland or Pittsburgh this year. Um, but either way, um, I'm trying to think where else I've gone. Um, I've been to a lot of meetups, uh, but not quite as many conferences. Uh, same with hackathons. I've been to a lot of hackathons, but not quite as many conferences. Um, I uh, what, One thing that is, is uh, something about me is that I can't do like videos. I, I really struggle to have the attention span to sit down and watch the videos. So going to a conference is a way for me to force myself to just like sit there and watch someone talk about code for a little bit. Um, and I don't know if I could do that, you know, that many times a year. So I kind of try to limit my uh, my conferences. I'd, I'd much rather be building something and then throwing it away. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Neil, uh, you, you mentioned you went to uh, AWS reInvent, and that's a pretty large popular conference, right? I've never been to a, a you know, one of those... Um, what would you call them? Like flagship conferences, mega conferences, you know, where you see the pictures and there's like statues and stuff at them. Like they have things. 
Um, could you talk a little bit more about your experience at a conference with things like a mega conference? Um, I will talk first about reInvent because that is still the largest conference I've been to. Um, I think I've been to three reInvents and like the one thing I, I take away from reInvent is it is so easy to get stupid levels of merch. Um, like not, not like paid for merch, but just like free giveaway swag um, it seems like all the vendors save that stuff for the big conferences. Uh, there was one year I came back from uh, from reInvent with 29 shirts, six pairs of socks, uh, four drawstring bags, and a hat. Uh, that was the year that, um, I think it was the year that Red Hat got acquired and they were giving away red baseball caps with the Red Hat logo on them. Um Actually, I I gave that hat away. I don't know where it went from there, but yeah, it's uh, you know just aside from like the the vendor hall and everything, there's just so much to do at those conferences. Um, you know, I I think on average when I was at reInvent, I was walking like ten or eleven miles a day, just because it was you know, you schedule your whole day of these, these talks and it's like, you go to the keynote and then you have to go to a different resort for the next talk you want to get to. And then you got to go back to the first resort you were in for the next talk you want to get to. And, um, you know, it got to the point where the last time I went, it was four different resorts in, in the Las Vegas trip. And, like they were all next door to each other, but that's still a pretty big distance, you know, when you're going back and forth and back and forth. I think the hardest aspect of those conferences is it is just all the best parts of it are the like after hours stuff, but the after hours stuff encourages people to be uh, less than adult. Uh, there's a, you know, a lot of, a lot of drinking, a lot of, those aspects of, of like the nightlife and some people handle it better than others. Um, the one highlight I will say at reInvent specifically is that uh, Werner Vogels is like, a, like loves, you know, electronic music loves uh, like those sorts of performances. And so there's, there's a, a replay event at, reinvent every year where they have like some dj come in and uh do a set and then uh i know one year it was zed one year was i think dead mouse um like they've they've had some some pretty big artists there and that was a really good experience but you know it's like so crowded so like not a lot of room to breathe in those in those spaces also. So it kind of makes it difficult, especially if you're not like a, uh, if you're not like really comfortable with being three inches from 15 different people. And uh, now, now I post COVID, I don't know if I would be that comfortable with going to a conference that big just because of those, because of the circumstances also. Um, you know, aside from reInvent, I've been to Jenkins World a couple of times. Um, that one was much smaller. There was, I think, four or five tracks when I went, and 
mostly ended up just sticking to one or two of them. That was, you know, single conference center, not really big, nothing, nothing of like much interest there. But the best conference I've been to by far was actually GopherCon, uh, which is like the Go programming language specific conference. Um, I, I have been on the I'm supposed to go list for it four times. I've only made it once. Uh, one year it got canceled because I changed jobs and the new job I changed to was like, oh, you're not going to go to that conference because you don't need to go to that conference uh, <laughs> uh, then, then COVID happened and then the conference, the third time the conference got rescheduled from being like, I forget what the original date was, but it was a date I was free and then got rescheduled to like my wife's birthday. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so unfortunately, I've only managed to make it once. Hopefully, I'll be going again this year because it is scheduled for September and I might be able to go. Um, I think the thing that really made that conference stand out to me as being super awesome is like it wasn't overly crowded and like it doesn't matter who you are like as an attendee people just like make time for you. Like I didn't deal with a lot of issues with, there wasn't a lot of crowding. There wasn't a lot of like gatekeeping, but like all the conference organizers and all of the keynote speakers and everyone would just like make time for people and like, just, you know, stand in the hallway after their talk, answering questions and that sort of thing. Um, there's like a whole community day, which was probably my favorite part of it. Like I sat at a table in the like lunch area and just like did some like stupid little hackathon projects with random people that happened to also sit down at the table with me. Like those sorts of things were what really kept that conference as like super fresh in my mind of like, I got to go back here, you know, and I guess on the smaller conference side too, I've also been to um, DevOps days in Columbus uh, and we went once it was a, that's a very small conference, uh, single track, single room. I think the last year for it was 2019 and I haven't seen it pop up since then. Yeah. I think a lot of conferences got killed um, by the pandemic. Um, it, it's a, a shame. Uh, Code mash historically has 2,500 people, they said, and this year they only had 1,000, which on one hand, you know, that's a shame that they didn't get as many people. They they expect they expected more people, uh, you know, with the anticipation that was like, quote, post-pandemic, but it just didn't happen. Um, so they had weird budget problems um, and only 1,000 people showed up. But on the plus side, uh, there was only a thousand people there in this giant venue. Like the Kalahari is is actually really big. There are there's a lot of rooms in that place. I've gotten lost there more than once. Um, not that that means anything. I have a terrible sense of direction. But um, there was it, it felt COVID. I won't. I, you know any amount of uh, uh, socialization. You're always carrying a, a mild risk of getting sick. Like even outside of COVID, especially at like gatherings of people. But it felt, you know, with high ceilings, lots of ventilation, and it being half the capacity, 
it felt pretty safe. And I think this is the first time I've gotten the Kalahari and have not gotten sick after. So I am very happy about that. Yeah. Uh, I did not mention that every conference I've been to, I've come home sick from. Whether it's the sniffle that starts on the plane or actively hacking coughing after like the first day of talks, like I've come home sick from every conference I've been to. Um, like it's just, you know, close spaces and, uh, you know, I think part of it comes down to all these conferences are booked so far out in advance. Like you, the day comes and you're sick and you're just go, like it's already paid for. You feel obligated to go. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, it, it's hard to be angry at the person who made that decision in, in the pre COVID times and even in post COVID times, like I can see making that decision. I just kind of feel like you have a, uh, a certain level of responsibility to like mask up and like be cognizant of that. If you know you're sick and going to those sort of spaces. I think it's becoming more socially uh, acceptable to tell people like, Hey, if you're sick, just don't come. Um, and I think that that like changes people's perspective. Um, for code Youngstown events, we've been including that since, since coming back from COVID. And I think we've had pretty good luck. You know, uh, people aren't like coughing when they show up and those kind of things. Um, and I really appreciate that. Like, please don't come to code Youngstown sick. Like there'll be another event. We have one basically every other month. Um, and thank you to everyone who who has stayed home when they aren't feeling well. I've stayed home when I haven't felt well. Um, I missed the lightning talks, and that sucked. But you know that's okay because I was sick. Um, so I, I I think there's a lot of social norms that we need to reestablish around these, like going to to concerts and and going out. That like, hey, if you're sick, like you need to not go because you're making other people sick, and that's a, a social burden. Like that uh, that that you could think about it from all different, uh, uh, perspectives, but it's, it's, you know, not good. Um, and you know, if you do have to go somewhere, uh, please wear a mask, like, uh, no matter your background, you know, it covers, it covers your face and makes it so you don't cough on other people and get them sick. Like it, it it's, uh, I, I think that's pretty non, um, there's no reason not to, um, so I, I'm hoping that they like we continue going in that direction, kind of like in American society, um, especially as someone who goes to a lot of events and, and puts on a lot of events. And I, I think that it's going to keep taking work because I, I think a lot of people consider the pandemic over. Um, and in some ways, you know, it it is. Um, in other ways, like I think it brought awareness that, you know, if something like that happens again, like being sick sucks and uh, I don't want to get sick in general, whether it's COVID or something else. So, um, yeah, please don't go to think sick. It sucks for everybody, including yourself. Here, here. Oh, um, one thing to mention is that around those those new social norms, um, CodeMash uh, established a um, a policy where if, if um, excuse me where they, they have like a no questions asked like money back guarantee or something. I, I, I might not be quoting it quite correctly. Um, but you know, to limit people from feeling obligated to go to something because they've already paid, um, you know, to give them their money back that they, 
they couldn't get the hotel money back. They have to deal with hotel or, or their credit card or Kalahari or whatever for that. But at the very least, the conference ticket itself, um, it, it would be refundable. And I think more events need to do that because um, I think a lot of, of event people, like it's all about economies of scale, making sure that enough people show up, making sure that food's all accounted for. But I'd much rather have like a 5 to 10% drop rate um, with people who are sick or can't make it anymore than, um, you know, attendees getting sick or myself getting sick after so I can do the next thing I need to do. And I, I think like as a society, we need to shift our um, our priorities there um, and, and the way we view these financial incentives. Sorry, that was kind of like me on a pedestal about these things, but um, I, I think it's important. And I think CodeMash is setting a good example for other events and and, and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I believe GopherCon has the same policy. And even pre-COVID, they had like a no questions asked ticket transfer policy. Um, I think the biggest thing, though, is getting hotels and airlines to also refund when it comes to conferences, because, you know, like that can be as much or more than the conference ticket, depending on where you're going and what conference it is. Yep. Um, I, I think that the hotel and um, in an airline situation, I, I don't think there's, I think there's an end in sight there, but I'd love to see some work done there. It's it's very scary that it, it that people get nickeled and dimed into like quote insurance for for needing to handle those situations. A lot of people don't know that their credit cards sometimes handle them, and then you have to deal with that, though. Like, I, I wish that that whole that society just decided this is a problem that needs to be addressed um, and just addressed it. But, uh, you know, if the incentives aren't there, people won't. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. I think I've run out of questions. Um, I can sit here in silence for the rest of the podcast. That's okay. I don't know. That's the April 1st podcast. Um, oh, man. That's good. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris, what um, what questions did, did you have about conferences? I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't even know what to ask. It's one of those things where it's I haven't had enough exposure to kind of, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I guess... One of the big things, because I've never been to one in person, which y'all kind of touched on it, like the the in-person aspect versus the virtual, like, I don't know. I know, I think Joe mentioned, uh, maybe it was you, Neil, going to virtual ones last year during COVID. And yeah, really, like, what's the difference, I guess? For me, at least, the... Uh... The difference between going in person and and going quote going to an online one is that an online one I'll see that it's on my Google Calendar and be like, well, they're going to record all the talks anyway, and then subsequently not do anything, and then subsequently also not look at any of the talks, and you know whatever thing was announced or important will end up in one of the the email lists in my inbox the next morning. Like, uh, shout out to uh, Bytes, the uh, JavaScript email list. It is awesome if you write JavaScript uh, and you are not subscribed to Bytes. Uh, I think it's bytes.dev, B-Y-T-E-S. Um, it makes it so I don't worry about having to uh, go to those things because if there was an important talk or article to come out of it, 
it would end up in that list most of the time. Um, by the way, yeah, I, I think that the, for me, the important thing of going in person is that it socially obligates me that, you know, between the money and the time and the travel, okay, I actually need to go and get something out of this now. Um, and maybe that's just my, me social engineering myself. Um, but that, that's kind of the, the biggest difference to me. Yeah, I feel like online conferences are just eight hour standups, but you don't have to have your camera on. You have to have your, your camera on on your standups. I mean, you don't have to, but you probably should. Nah. Otherwise, you're just going to be answering emails or Slack messages or something else instead of giving listening to everyone else's standup. Isn't that what everyone does? I thought everyone else was putting on their pants during standup, too. I was going to say, I hope no one from Blast Point listens to this, but you know what? I'll own it. I'll own it. Half the time, I, I don't <laughs> even... Half the time, I don't even got a shirt on, so I just don't turn my camera on, you know. <laughs> Working in my pajamas over here. Editorializing for the listeners, Chris has had his camera off the entire time we've been on this call. <laughs> 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 yeah, pajamas again uh, i mean if you don't have to wear clothes why do it <laughs> clothes are just a social norm man if you're in your own home like i i literally <laughs> like I, I don't really ever leave my house i go i order groceries uh don't eat out if i do eat out it's ordered online delivered to my door i've had a full tank of gas for like two months <laughs> I'm at like a half a tank now, I think. I tells you anything. I couldn't do that. I participate in too much capitalism. I go to Walmart for fun as a as a Midwesterner. Uh, I'm sorry. I've upgraded the Target, actually. Um, but that's not the point. Um, in some ways, I dream of just like, you know, not doing those things. But I, I succumb to you know, going to Target every so often and walking around in a circle and looking at all the, the, the clothes and things that Target has decided that I will like because I'm now the Target audience at uh, 28. Yeah, I avoid going to Target because the Target near me, I don't know if you go to the same one, is connected to the mall. And every time I go to the mall, I go to FYE and all of them other places that have um, anime paraphernalia whatever you call that memorabilia and i spend two or three hundred bucks on figurines and stuff that i don't need and regret it afterwards the easy way to escape that is all the good stores at the mall at eastwood mall close before or at or before seven so if you don't go to target till 7 30 you don't you can't go to any of the other good stores it's actually not the worst advice Another way that I avoid it is I go with my wife. It's a really good way. Uh, she doesn't let me go to those places because it's like we're going to Target and that's it. So getting groceries, nothing else. Uh, Elizabeth enables me. It's um, I'll be like, oh, I don't need that thing. And she'll be like, are you like, are you sure? Like, do you want that thing? I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need some kind of random animal figurine or whatever i say as i like have just a bunch of 
stuff. I'm I'm panning my camera for the listeners. Um, just all the random fidget toys and stuff behind me. Um, yeah, I know this kind of took a this this took a a, a turn. Um, do we try to to steer back into conferences? I'm not I'm not exactly sure how. Um, going the the hallway track in Target. Like, do you ever just? Um... <laughs> <laughs> only when i run into family at target i i feel like that digression was our uh this episode's equivalent of uh what's your favorite restaurant yeah i think that's that's fair and it turns out that our our favorite restaurant is uh you know the uh fye and icg at the eastwood mall yeah that was the other one I couldn't remember. I was like, I go in there and I have to like, I, I can't, I literally like walk in and just walk out because like everybody knows Slack Handle, I have a minor obsession with Naruto and <laughs> I like, yeah, I, I spent like 200 bucks one day on like just figurines. I got like a $60, um, freaking spawn action figure a <laughs> uh, uh, $80 Naruto figurine that I was like I'm never going to take it out of the box and then I did and uh, yeah I just look at it because it looks nice and in hindsight I wish I wouldn't have wasted that much money but it looks nice it's one of those stories you either spend $0 or $200 there's no in between and then there's Books a Million, but that's a whole nother story altogether. Our Books a Million is weird because it's not a very good Books a Million, but every other Books a Million is like the size of a Barnes and Noble and is actually pretty decent. Like, I don't, I don't know how that happened. Like, we used to have, what, we used to have a Borders and we used to have a Walden Books and... I forget what the third bookstore at the mall was, but there used to be a third one there. There was a handful of them, wasn't there? Um, unfortunately, nowadays, I normally go to the bookstore to find out what books I want to buy digitally because I can't read physical media, media anymore. Um, I just don't. I, I like having the books on me. Um, you know, I, I read in the in-between times. And so, like, I can't just have a, a manga or a book, like, you know, on me in the in-between times. And so I, I just kind of walk into to borders and be like, oh, what looks cool? And then look it up online, which I feel really bad because I'm totally contributing to the uh, not, not that bad because borders is like a big company. But in general, um, the, the death of physical media, I also don't want to burden myself for when I move next time, because for every additional book I buy is another physical piece of media I need to pick up and physically move somewhere else. And that that sucks. I mean, man, if you'd stop moving every six months, it's oh, it's been over a year now. Like I'm, I, I'm happy. All my friends told me I can't move for five years or else they won't help, and that's understandable because I moved every year for like three or four years. Well, that's why when you turn thirty, you stop having your friends help you move, and then you start paying movers. That and thirty is about when you start putting your back out. Yeah, <laughs> I can afford movers now. I um, I'm I'm making up for you on the physical books, Joe. I got like a hundred and fifty dollar a month budget, and I spend it every month on books. I read a book a week, 
sometimes more. So I'm making up for your <laughs> lack of contribution to physical books. <laughs> Have you all ever heard of that imprint app? I used to get a lot of ads for it. I forget what its previous name was. Um, it's like a, it displays like popular, like um, books, not like fiction books, but like nonfiction books in like a, you know, like Instagram stories like type format where you kind of tap it and it kind of gives you like a little animation and like a, some notes. Um, it's kind of cool. It's a little expensive. It's like 90 bucks a year. Um, but luckily it gets shared with your whole, um, if you buy it on iPhone, it, it's shared with your family. So like Elizabeth's able to use it. Um, but I've actually been able to get through a bunch quote, get through a bunch of books that I felt like I was, uh, um, you know, missing out on, and now I no longer feel like deep work and and uh, those kind of books that you know you're you're told you're supposed to read and and you know you read some blog posts about. But I, it at least makes me feel like I, I read those books and I, I took the couple of things that I I wanted from those and I, I can kind of move on. Um, so I don't know if this is a a, a a recommendation but at the very least it's 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 brought me some like peace of mind because i'm i'm kind of like a uh i'm like a i'm in the process i'm into to workflow stuff and it's kind of given me peace of mind that hey uh even if i read these books it wouldn't improve my workflow that much um at least i don't think so it kind of sounds like uh in instead of an audiobook where it's like someone reading the book to you it's someone posting the book on your social media and you read it from there yeah yeah or or it's at least like someone um sending you the cliff notes um it's more like a cliff notes type deal with pictures um and broken up into like five minute increments which i think is the coolest part because if you um it like sets goals like hey read two of these up to five minute things and the average one probably takes me not even two minutes to get through um, so it, it kind of tries to establish habits around itself and all of, all of those things. And, you know, the $90 an, a, a year app trying to establish habits around itself um, for better or worse. Uh, but it's it's definitely something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, 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 that, that one probably is not in my wheelhouse, but uh, I guess if you're trying to get through some reading and don't find other ways to, to make it happen, it's a good thing to try. I think we're nearing the end. Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, I think it turns out we don't have a whole lot to say about conferences, but we do have a whole lot to say about books and the Eastwood Mall. Why is the GameStop so stinky? I never thought of that. I, I, I never thought about it. I actually actively avoid that one and go out of my way to the other one that's like over by UPS. I can't remember. I think it's Boardman. That sound, yeah, that sounds right. I actively avoid the one at the Eastwood Mall because every time I go there, it's like nothing. It's like... And it's stinky. Like, it physically stinky. I'm trying to remember what used to be in there. I think that used to be... A, that, that was a GameStop for a really long time. I, I think there was actually a second GameStop that used to be an EB Games also in the mall, and then it became a GameStop. Mm-hmm. So there were two GameStops in the mall for a while, and then that one shut down, and I think... So at the very least, as long as I've been paying attention to what's in the mall, um, that's been a GameStop. So actually, the one by there is next to the Auntie Anne's and is now part of like Victoria's Secret. And the other one, uh, that's the one that used to be an EB Games. And the one that used to be a Funko Land was over where they built the 
like Radisson or whatever the um, like conference center area at the mall is. Uh, it used to be there, like the DMV was there and the Funko Land was there. And uh, I forget what else was over there. I think American Commodore maybe. So there was the Funko Land and the EB Games and they both got bought by GameStop and then they both closed and the one that's where it is now opened up I think when the second one of those two closed, when the the former Funko Land one closed. Interesting. Because the I, the one I remember, I think, was where the uh, conference center was, because it was big, like at least, you know, too small me. It was bigger than this little hallway, or at least had more room. Um, and the current GameStop is currently this little hallway, and that's it's kind of lame. Eastwood Mall used to be so much better, but at the same time, it's better than it was for a long time too have you ever been to anything in that conference center do you do you know of anything that has ever happened there no me neither what do they do with it? like i maybe the events are not for you and me like they're events for other people but not for us but like even the uh metroplex expo center which i, I live by they have i hear about things that go on there i see cars there like they have the uh comic thing they have a a um, reptile comp convention every year. They have like dance comp. They have all kinds of things there. Um, but I have never heard or have seen anything in that conference center by the mall. I, if you're listening to this and you have heard of something happening at that conference center by the mall, please tell me. <laughs> I just want to know. I'm so curious. We will we will put follow up in a future episode if someone actually has feedback about that. Like if someone can identify something that's happened at that conference center, please tell us and we'll we'll make a note of it in the next episode. Uh, not next episode, episode after. I I think we're I think we're good to end it at this point. Um, do we have any Code Youngstown events currently scheduled, Joe? We don't know what's happening next for the for the next Code Youngstown event. Um, However, we are definitely open to ideas and thoughts and speakers and, and locations and, and guests and all those kind of things. So if you have an, uh, if you are inspired to give a talk, if you have a space that you want to host Code Youngstown at, please reach out to us. I, I think our, our email is contact at codeyoungstown.com. We'd love to talk to you about, uh, about it and, and make it happen. Um, we currently don't have any plans yet. Uh, I think we're targeting early March for our next um, event. So uh, please uh, let us know what you want to see. Uh, we we want to make that happen. Okay, that is it for this episode of the Code Youngstown podcast. I'd like to thank Joe and Chris for being here today. And we'd also like to thank you, our listeners. We'll be back with another episode next month. And in the meantime, please join the community on our Slack through slack.codeyoungstown.com. And be sure to like, subscribe, and rate our podcast on your listening platform of choice.